I see how it is. The last six weeks, we went through a series on the family. We had no video. I come up here, I get nobody's attention. Y'all hear Beyonce's voice one time and everybody's, everybody's upright and looking at the screens. I see how it is. I see how it is. A bunch of beehive members in here or something. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Uh, for those who do not know me, my name is Corey. I'm the lead pastor here at Third Street Community Church, and I'm, uh, I get the privilege and honor of bringing to you the word this morning. This morning, we'll be kicking off a brand new series uh, appropriately titled for the season, I believe, is called Freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. We're going to be getting into that for the next few weeks, coming specifically out of Romans chapter 7. Uh, but before we get there, let me, uh, let me ask you a couple things. Um, my daughters right now are absolutely obsessed with this movie, and I'm wondering who else is in the same boat. Um, they're absolutely obsessed with The Greatest Showman. Anybody seen it? Okay, so a few people, a few people. Uh, is anybody in the boat with me that says, I am darn sick of this movie, and I wish people would get over it? Amen. Amen. After the first time. Amen. Yeah, I mean, the movie's okay. It's okay. But I think and the first time I saw it, it was fine. Um, I got really disappointed because I like to ruin things by, like, checking out how factual they are. Uh, and, like, I hate to, like, ruin your day, but, like, almost none of that is true. It was, like, so disappointing because it was, like, based on real things. So I was like, oh, I wonder if this is, like, the PT. Nope. It's, like, almost none of it's real. So that was pretty disappointing. Um, but ultimately, I think what, what's driving me insane about the movie is that, like, they, it's, it's everywhere I go. It's in my car. It's on the TV. It's, like, in my girls' heads at bedtime. Like, they're just singing the, the soundtrack of it 24-7. There's one song in particular um, called Rewrite the Stars. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's, it's sung between uh, Zac Efron and Zendaya. And essentially, what, what they're talking about, yep, thank you, um, what they're talking about is, is, is like their inability to be together, right? So he's a rich guy, an uppity-up, a muckety-muck, and she is a circus act. And so they sing this song about the fact that they like each other, but like ultimately they can't be together because of like societal norms and stuff. Basically, they can't be together. He, Zac Efron at one point sings like that you're, you're my destiny, and that's so sweet and romantic. Except for the fact that then Zendaya responds with, oh, destiny. Well, we're destined to fall apart. Because you're in a social class that I can't even sniff. You're up there and I'm down here. And basically she ends up, ends the song by like walking away and saying like, my hands are tied. I would be with you, but I can't. Because of like how we're labeled. These labels that are on us, these classes that we're a part of, is going to ultimately prevent us from being together. Because of their labels, they feel as though their destiny and what they are or aren't allowed to do is decided for them. Anybody ever feel like that before? This week we celebrated Juneteenth. For those of you who don't know, we celebrate June 19th. We celebrate Juneteenth. 
um, as the day. We call it Freedom Day. Some call it Liberation Day. Um, but we celebrate it as the day that word finally reached Texas uh, to, to as, as mandated by the United States government to release the last of the slaves as a part of the Emancipation Proclamation. And so we celebrate Juneteenth remembering it that uh, June 19th as the day in uh, uh, years ago that, that the last of the slaves were finally free. But that causes me to think back on a day where everything was decided for an entire people group. Everything was decided for an entire people group. Where to live, where, when, how to work, when to eat, what to eat, when to sleep, how long to sleep, what they could and couldn't do, what, where they could and couldn't go. Everything was decided for them. And in some ways, in some ways, it still seems that way, doesn't it? As we continue to deal with the ramification of years of unjust slavery. This week, I was particularly upset. And at the risk of making some of you upset, you'll just have to forgive me and go with me. I was particularly upset at some raids that happened uh, in the area. And, and I'm, I'm promoting, as I said at the beginning, I'm promoting no political or social agenda, but let me just tell you what tugged at my heartstrings about it. See, approximately 140 workers were arrested at, at a meat plant. And then later the article turned around and said, and said, no worries, have no fear. About 40, 60, I forget what the number was, of them got released because they had proper documentation. But see, I went through ministry class. I went through theology class. I went through this thing called an ethnography, which teaches you how to read numbers between the lines, if you will. And so what I see when I see 140 people got arrested, but don't worry, 60 of them have proper documentation, so they were appropriately released, is you arrested 60, undo 60 documented citizens of the United States unjustly because their skin was brown. For those of you who don't know me well, my sister's skin is brown. She's been a part of this United States and a full-blood citizen since, uh, for about eight years now. But if she were working in that plant, she would have been arrested. She would have been taken to wherever, whatever you want to argue the conditions of those holding cells were. I don't care. I've been in some holding cells in B.C. days, and I don't care how nice it is. I'm not trying to be there. They would have taken her there, my sister, who was adopted, a citizen of these United States, would have been taken because of the color of her skin, because of a label that particular individuals in positions of authority promote of people who have brown skin or may have not been born here but came here at a later date. So what we want to celebrate at 3rd Street is the real Liberation Day, with all due respect to Juneteenth. We want to celebrate a spiritual liberation. We want to celebrate a day and an event that is so world-changing, it will drastically change our ultimate destiny. 
What we hope to accomplish with this series is for each of us to experience a spiritual liberation day. As I said a couple minutes ago, we're going to be rooted this, these next few weeks in the book of Romans chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. As you turn there, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. See, the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul to a particular group of individuals in Rome. And what they would have all been under the understanding of, I'm going to try and catch us up real quick in a couple of seconds. So the last few weeks we talked about, <coughs> excuse me, we talked about uh, the creation of all things. We talked about the creation of all people and how beautiful and perfect and ordered and wonderful everything was. And that's great, uh, but the reality is like we don't live like that no more, so what happened? Well, see, there was a fall in Genesis chapter 3. The fall of humanity goes down and now sin is introduced. Now these, uh, these, these, these feelings are introduced. Now these labels all of a sudden are tossed around. We'll get there in a minute. But God makes a promise to a particular individual named Abraham. And he says, look, I got you. I'm going to make of your family a great nation. Don't worry. Fast forward a little bit. That bloodline finds themselves in slavery in Egypt. And they're crying out, God, what, what, what is going on? I thought there was some kind of promise. I thought there was, like, what, what, what is your heart right now, God? Because I thought you promised us something, and now we find ourselves in slavery. And then in Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, it says, God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then fast forward a few more chapters, and God uses this man named Moses to lead those slaves right out of captivity in, e in Egypt through miraculous circumstances. As they traveled, after God freed the slaves, God gives them the law. 613 of them to be exact. For those of you who thought there was 10, because that's what we memorized in Sunday school, y'all off by about 6.03. So let me know when you got those memorized. 613 laws, and, and it says, this is the law for my people, and any sin against this law that is made to show how perfect God really is, how righteous God really is, any sin against this law is punishable by death. So the people of God found themselves in a new kind of bondage. They found themselves in a bondage to sin because you and I both know the reality of what it's like to be a human being. We can't keep 613 God-ordained laws. It's not possible. It's like this, you know, our natural sinful selves who just won't allow us. We, we, we can't measure up. You ever feel that way before? You ever feel like you can't measure up to something? Well, next to God's law, not none of us can stand up. We can't, we can't measure up. We can't, because we can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. We're, we're you know, you often hear or say the phrase, we're only human. We're only human. We're not good enough. And if going against any one of these laws is sin, and ultimately sin is punishable by death, then guess what we're all destined for? Death. We're done. That's our destiny. Sin, death, and destruction. Now here's the problem. Here's a problem 
with the way some people believe or the way some people will relay this message. Some people will stop there. Some people will stop there and say, we're not good enough. We can't measure up on our own. You are headed for destruction. So turn to God in heaven before it's too late, before the world is destroyed, before your life is destroyed, before you're just so far gone you find yourself in hell. And please, please turn around. Well, we see how that message goes in the Old Testament, don't we? I mean, literally over half of the Old Testament is prophets standing on anointed ground, screaming at God's people, turn back, it's not too late, turn back. And guess what happens? Ain't nobody turns back. Nobody turns back. Many people's view of God stops there. They say we're simply sinners in the hands of an angry God who will punish us for not being righteous enough. You ever hear that before? But the good news, come on somebody, but the good news for us this morning and always is God's heart is for the liberation of all people. God's heart is for freedom for all people. God's heart is for freedom. So how can we get there? I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead and get to the text. This is Romans chapter 7. We're going to be reading the first six verses today, but for right now, let's just read the first three. This is the Apostle Paul, who was once, who was once a, martyr, a murderer of the church, didn't like the church, wanted to persecute the church. Then he had this little crazy experience where he got knocked off his high horse, and Jesus said, Paul, I'm going to need you to straighten up. He said, yes, sir, and now he writes stuff like this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law that we just discussed, don't you know that the law only applies when a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. One more verse, verse 3. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she marries. We'll stop right there. Because what? This law you can't live up to, this law you feel like spells out your doom, spells out your destiny in a, in a destructive way. Paul says, well, it only applies while you're living. Oh, well, that's comforting. So you're saying the only way out is I got to, like, die? Uh, yeah, something like that. Only way out is your death. That's true. Paul gives this analogy of marriage. He says, if you are married and you go outside of your marriage, you then receive the frowned upon label of an adulterer. I mean, people cheat, people get divorces. That's not, that's not, you know, anything super uncommon, right? Well, here's the thing. In these times, adulterer was like, was like, your eyes just got big when he said that. You were like, ooh, he called somebody a what? Adulterer, as we see in Mark chapter 10, specifically verse 12, it says, And if a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. That's a weak translation with all due respect. What the, what the uh, uh, verbs and, and phrases actually lend us to is she will be publicly known as adultery. Imagine not just being guilty of adultery, but then imagine being 
publicly known as adultery. People no longer look at you and say, Bill. People no longer look at you and say, Teresa. They say, adultery. I think there's like some piece in literature about that maybe. John chapter 8 verse 5. As a woman caught in adultery stands before the council, they say, they say that the law of Moses, the law that we just talked about, this law that we can't measure up to, what that law says is stone her. And not in the way that's legal in two states, but in the way where you throw rocks at an individual until they're dead. That's what the law says of adultery. Wives had no right or ability to separate from their husband. They were attached to their husbands until they fulfilled their obligation. And if you ever recited those vows, you know that your obligation is till death do us part. The common misconception here, though, because Paul's analogy is like, it like throws a whole lot of people through me for a long time. Like this week I was stressing out. I was like, you want me to say what, God? The common misconception here is that the husband represents the law, that somehow uh, uh, we're married to the law, and the law is this evil thing that's lording over us that we can't get out of. Well, here's the thing. We shouldn't try to get out of the law. The law referred to here is God's law. God's law is perfect. God's law is good. We shouldn't try to get out of God's law. No, the husband refers to your old self. It refers to your sinful self. The self that just can't help it. The self that says, just a little bit. The self that says, just once. The self that says, nobody got addicted after. The self that says, that self. What Paul is actually implying in this illustration is that the husband is you. You are both wife and husband. The old you that can't help but do wrong. It's not the law that gives the label of adulterer. It's the old sinful self that can't live up to the law that welcomes the label because of your actions and you don't know any better. Or... It's your old self that even places the label on other people. I don't want people to call me adultery, so I'm going to make sure that I call you liar. And now people caught up on me calling you liar, and they forgot all the fact that I stepped out. Think about how damaging labels have become in our society. I don't need to spend time on this, but, uh, but give me just a couple seconds. If I hear one more person, if I hear one more student dismissed because of, quote, anger problems. If I see one more person without a job be labeled as, quote, lazy. If I see one more business idea dismissed in a certain part of the city because people are, quote, too poor. If I hear one more time about a Muslim being a terrorist or an illegal immigrant automatically being a drug dealer. You know, I left the church at one point in time because of labels. I left the church when I was in high school because individuals 
including people in authority, labeled me as a troublemaker, two-faced, and a pothead. Here's the thing. They were right, but they didn't have to say it. And I didn't have to accept it either. Have you ever been given a label that's prevented you from doing what you want to do? Have you ever been given a label that prevented you from participating in something that you love? Or trying something new because I'm just whatever somebody has told you you just are. There is no fulfilling the law on our own. On our own, we do stand condemned, convicted, 100% guilty of adultery. And these labels will ultimately prevent us from fulfilling what God sees as our destiny. But our condemnation only applies insofar as we are tied to our old selves under the law. So maybe there is a way. Maybe, let's go to verse 4. Verse 4, this is why I love Paul, the gospel globetrotter himself, for getting right to the point. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. Oh, I love it when he does stuff like that. This is the point. Focus on this part right here. Verse 4. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires. We'll talk more about that next week. And it produced nothing but a harvest of sinful deeds. Resulting in what? Death. Verse 6, but now, but now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law to a T where we got to be, you know, like perfect, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the word of God and this is true. Here's the good news. Through Jesus Christ, we are no longer tied to our old selves. We are no longer tied to our old ways. Through his act on the cross and then, oh yeah, getting up three days later, our old selves are dead and gone. We now have the privilege of saying, uh, you know, in that grave where Jesus lies, that's where my old self lies as well. The only difference is Jesus got back up. My old self doesn't have to. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15 says, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Instead, now we are tied, we are united with a new husband, to continue Paul's analogy. We are united with Christ who says we can produce good things. We can do good things. We can be good things. Jesus rips the old dirty label off of us. And instead, the only thing we're labeled now is loved. Love. 
See, when we were tied to our old selves, we couldn't help ourselves because we can't measure up. We knew we weren't good enough. So we told ourselves a little bit won't hurt. We told ourselves, I'm not going to make it anyway, so I might as well not even try. I'm not going to get straight A's or nothing, so why do I need to worry about school? I'm not, I'm, I'm ultimately my parents' child, right? I'm a product of divorce, so, you know, I'm going to get divorced too, so I might as well not even get married. We allow for our destiny to be decided for us in those ways. But now, Paul writes, but now we have been released from the power sin and those wicked thoughts had over us. Now we can serve God and be with God because we are released from not being good enough. Ain't no not acknowledging that we're not good enough. Jesus knows we're not good enough, but he's like, I love you anyway. Cut the chains. Christ's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit within us makes us good enough. Christ's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit within us gives us the, the authority to overcome all things and do good. Through Jesus, God lives out his desire that we read about in the Old Testament. But through Jesus, it's lived out once and for all. And God's heart and desire is, always was, and always will be for freedom of all people through Jesus God lives out his desires to see us freed once and for all free not only from the regime of the law but from the dominion of sin free not only from our own wrongdoing but the shame that comes with it free not only from our significant debt but also from being held down and oppressed because of our lack of resource Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, even Paul says it, we were destined for death and destruction. But God is so rich in mercy and God loved us so much that he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God has freed our destiny. When I first came to Malone, I was a student at the University of Akron at first, living in my old self. I got saved, thank you, Lord, and I decided to transfer to Malone. That whole first semester, I didn't talk to anybody. I was deathly afraid because after like one or two classes, I made a read on people that, in fairness, like it was wrong on my part, but I made this read like, oh, I can't speak up about my old self. I can't speak up about who I used to be because there's a dude here writing one-way tickets to hell, and I'm sure he'll give me one. That actually was a real thing, but that's a whole nother, like, we got to talk about that later. And I was faced with the opportunity to do what I had done approximately eight years before when I walked away from the church. I could have walked away from alone right there and been like, I'm not good enough to go there. But the difference is this time, I didn't have to receive that over my life. This time, I didn't have to accept that over my life because this time, I had been released from those things. This time, I had been relabeled, and Jesus said, I got you, Corey. Get your butt back in there and do what I told you to do. This time, God wants us to be free. 
not only from our sin, but also from the label that the world wants to attach to us based on our sin. He wants us to be free, not only from our sin, but also from the mental torment we go through because of our sin. God wants us to be free, not only from our sin, but also from the division and isolation we experience in real lifetime because of everybody's sin. God frees us so that we may not fulfill the destiny of sin, destruction, and death that Satan wants from us and the world wants to speak over us. Instead, we may fulfill a new destiny in glory and honor while showing love and peace in the face of adversity and our enemies. God is releasing us in our freedom with the power and authority to choose a better word. With the power and authority to say no to sin. With the power and authority to overcome circumstance. With the power and authority that when life and enemies smack you in your face, you can show love. We have a destiny of new life in the Spirit. New life commands us to show love. And that can be difficult. I get that. Through the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like for God to free our hearts where those desires live. The week after that, we're going to talk about what it looks like for God to free our mind from the things that speak to us all around us. But this morning... We're looking for those who want to be set free. We're looking for those who have been weighed down for too long. And they're ready for today, in Jesus' name, to be their liberation day.